The Twins are swept out of Houston by the Astros. Sad series, dull series, especially for the offense. What's next for the Twins? The entire American League Central, at least the top three teams, lose Thursday night. What does it all mean? Let's break it all down on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Friday, August 26th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker, season three, breaking down the Minnesota Twins here on the Lockdown Twins podcast, season four, writing about the Twins at twinsdaily.com. Unfortunately, the Twins are swept out of Houston. They lose tonight, six to three, and Chris Archer was bad early. The Twins offense got going with a little Jorge Polanco home run, but it wasn't enough. They scored three runs, and it felt like they had a big night offensively compared to what they've done recently. I talked a little bit about it last night, what's happened to this team, injuries and effectiveness. I listened back to that. I want to talk tonight a little bit about the identity of this team. I think that was on display in this series. The identity. Let's go all the way back to to spring training. After the Correa signing, the Twins are ready to go. Let's go all the way back to a couple days before opening day. What was going to be the identity of the team? I knew, and everybody knew, Twins fans knew, the pitching staff was shallow. They didn't have enough in the rotation. Not much was clear. Like Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer rounding out your rotation is not ideal. A lot of playoff teams don't have you know Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy rounding out their rotation. We knew it lacked. The bullpen at the time, I didn't know the bullpen was going to be that poor, as, as poor as it was at the beginning of the season and throughout the whole basically first half of the season. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect Yohan Duran to be a monster, Griffin Jacks to be as, as impactful as he was on the positive side either. I didn't expect the bullpen to be that bad. I expected the rotation to lack. And I also thought, and I think Twins fans had this hope, I thought and I hoped that the offense would be good enough to win a lot of games. I looked at the group, and I I listened back to my season preview. It's so interesting to listen back right before opening day, my episode previewing the 2022 Twins. And I said, I would be shocked if this team does not finish in the top half of the American League in most offensive categories. Because you looked at the lineup, and every single player in that lineup at one time or another had had success at the major league level. They had big question marks. Kirilov was a question mark. You know, Buxton's health, obviously the biggest question mark in the lineup. They had real question marks. Catcher losing Mitch Garver, like was Ryan Jeffers going to be able to fill in at catcher? They had question marks in the lineup, but I felt confident that they had enough star power. And that was before even Luis Arise has had a career season. They had a rise, Correa, Buxton, Polanco coming off a career year as the Twins MVP and a five-win player last year. They had these pieces in place where I felt pretty good about the offense. And here's how I thought the Twins would win games in 2022. They were going to win games. They were going to win enough games to to either make the playoffs or win the American League Central or do whatever to, to get into October. They were going to win enough games by pitching just well enough to stay in games. Pitching well enough to stay in games. That means not exploding. The pitching staff 
not exploding. And then their offense taking control of games and overwhelming teams offensively. That was the identity. And I think maybe that was wishful thinking that the offense was going to be good enough to do that. I saw Correa. I saw Buxton. I had high hopes for Kirilov. I had high hopes for Polanco coming off a 33 homer season. Obviously high hopes for Luisa rise. I had even higher hopes for Ryan Jeffers. I had hopes that this lineup would produce. I didn't think this would be a 90 something win team. I predicted the twins would win 86 games. I believe I predicted 86 wins. And that was on the upper end. I think of some projections. I thought they had the offense enough offensive firepower to take over games. And what did we see? Here's what we saw. The twins got off to a four and eight start. And then they won 14 of their next 17 within that range of time. What they did in that stretch is they pitched very well. They they pitched well enough to give the team a chance to win. And then the offense woke up and the offense kind of overwhelmed at times within that stretch. That's what I thought we would see when the twins were going well. That is what we saw. This team was not built. This team was not built to win with three runs. It's as simple as that for me. This game tonight is, a, is emblematic of that. You're not going to go into Houston and play this Astros team, score three runs, and win. The Astros can score three runs and win because they have the staff to do it. They have the pitching to do it. I think the Twins' bullpen is better than it was before the trade deadline. We saw some of the arms tonight. They have some serious firepower out of the bullpen with Duran and Lopez and, and Jackson. Even McGill throws hard, but is getting giving up runs. He's leaking runs. He's kind of an example of just having a big time fastball. is not good enough. You need secondary, good secondary stuff. The, the bullpen's much better than what it was. They're not good enough though. Overall, their staff is not good enough, especially without Tyler Malley to score three runs and think you're going to win games. It's not good enough. The Astros are good enough to do that. The Dodgers are good enough to do that. Even the Yankees, Nestor Cortez just went on the injured list. They've had some pitching injuries. Most of the year, the Yankees have been good enough to do that. They've overwhelmed offensively and pitched extremely well, and that's why they were 40 or whatever games above 500. The Twins aren't good enough on the pitching side to score three runs. That was never going to be how they won this year. So I'm not surprised they were swept in the series. If you would have just told me, here's how many runs they scored, I would say, okay, they probably got swept because that's not how you're going to beat the Astros. That's not how you're going to beat the best teams. They're 1-12. in 12 against the Astros, Dodgers, and Yankees. They're not built to do what they did in this series. They're not built for it. Do I see the offense turning around? How is the offense going to turn around? Is it even possible without Byron Buxton? Is it possible without key pieces in the lineup moving forward? They have a six-game homestand. Let's look ahead and and look forward to the next 39 games as the Twins get ready to close out their season. After from NHTSA, hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drink of uh, drinks, a few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. If you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Extremely important. That's a word from NHTSA. Drive sober or get pulled over. How is the offense going to turn this thing around? They won't win games. Again, they won't win games scoring three or even four runs. They won't. 
I, I don't see that. And that's why last night I was saying, I don't see them going on some crazy run to finish the season because they're going to have to win some games scoring three or four runs. I just don't have enough confidence in the rotation without Mally. I don't have confidence in the middle innings, really. I mean, they have a deeper bullpen. I feel good on the back end of the bullpen for sure. It's just hard for me to see them winning games with three and four runs. So can the offense turn this thing around? I think they've had some, the bad luck has come with seeing so many left-handed starters, seeing so many left-handed pitchers. They're much better against right-handed pitching. You could say that's just a flaw that they needed to address. They didn't address that flaw in the offseason or at the trade deadline. I don't think they they saw that coming, though. You have some some right-handed pop in this lineup, or at least they thought they did. You know, Urshel has been historically better against lefties. Gary Sanchez as well. You have Correa and Buxton. Polanco was was very good against lefties last year. He slugged, I think he slugged over 500 against lefties last year. Was almost just as good against lefties. You felt decent in those matchups. You knew the Twins would probably hit right-handed pitching really well because they have Correa has pretty much reverse or even splits. You know, Buxton hits everybody. Polanco crushes right-handed pitching. They had Kirilov. You know, Larnack figures in. Kepler hits right-handed pitching. A lot of those things didn't turn out to be true, but that was the idea. So it's hard to fault them for not getting more right-handed bats. They hope that these guys would just play to their career norms, and, and some of them have not. So that's part of it, that they've seen so many left-handed starters. They continue to see left They're going to see another left-handed starter Friday night. And one of their best bats, arguably their best bat, you look at Byron Buxton's splits against left-handed pitching this year, is destroyed left-handed pitching. And you look at the last four years, has... I feel bad for the lefties, the way that Byron Buxton has hit them. They don't have him. They don't have him against lefties. And I think that's a a clear weakness. And hopefully Kyle Garlick is back. He probably won't be back Friday night. He's on a rehab assignment. So you you won't get him back probably till at least Monday when the Red Sox come to town. And I actually think that's Rich Hill starting on Monday. So it would be great to have Kyle, Kyle Garlick back for, for Rich Hill. That's part of it. They continue to see lefties. Another big part of this, I think, people are not paying attention to as much is that everything gets started with Luis Arise. Everything starts with Luis Arise, with this offense. When they're going well, when they're not, you look, you kind of look at Luis Arise and, and it's synonymous with him, the offense. And that's not to put too much pressure on him, but entering tonight since July 10th, we talked about this last night a little bit, but since July 10th, a 701 OPS since July 10th. That's not bad, but a 313 on base percentage is well below what you'd expect from Luis Arise. They need a couple things to happen here. They need Louis to get back to who he was in April and May. Not asking for 360, but get back to where he was at, which is in the 300s, on base percentage near 380. Basically just hit to his career line for the rest of the season. Luis Arise, tonight's game is not included in this career line yet, but 317 in his career with a 379 on base percentage, slugging 413. If he can hit like that, like that's his line from here on out, that will help the offense so much. Carlos Correa, they need more of a surge from him. They need Luis Arise to be who he's been. I think they this is the time when they need to look to Carlos Correa and he needs to step up and have like a big final six weeks, like a a, a monster 900 OPS final six weeks that might be a lot to ask of him but they need it they need it without Buxton they need they need Carlos Correa and Max Kepler just hit right-handed pitching just do your job hit right-handed pitching 
barrel up some balls, hit some home runs against righties, three run homers, grand slams, like impactful home runs against right-handed pitching. Remember he hit that grand slam against Detroit at target field earlier this year. feels like he's not even capable of doing that anymore of hitting the ball like that. But we've seen some signs of life. I think the pinky is the pinky toe is involved in this. We've seen some, some signs of life recently. They need so much more from Max Kepler from the left side. They need pop from him since July 1st entering tonight. Max Kepler is slugging 267, 267 since July 1st. That seems wow. Batting 198 with a 527 OPS since July 1st. That again does not include the game Thursday night. Wow. That's wow. I didn't even realize it was that bad. 260 on base percentage, slugging 267. Can't have that. So again, like with a rise, if Max Kepler for the final six weeks hits to his career line, which is a 232 batting average, 318 on base percentage, and a 429 slugging percentage. That's an OPS plus of 102. We know 100 is league average. If he's slightly above league average as a hitter from here on to the rest of the season, that's going to help the Twins a ton. Just play to who you've been for 824 career games. Just be who you've been. That's not not a tall order to hit 232 with a 747 OPS, but he's been so bad it feels like a tall order. So Kepler or Rides need to just hit to their career lines Correa needs to step up and like, it's a lot to ask again, but he's $35 million highest paid infielder of all time. Now's the time to step up and and start to carry this group a little bit. He hasn't really carried the group at any point this season. This is the time to do that. And then your outside guys, you know, Polanco's obviously extremely important. I think he's as consistent as anybody when he's healthy. I don't know if he's been completely healthy this year, but he's still a three win player. You know, entering the game Thursday before he hit a home run was at a 118 OPS plus last year when he was the team MVP, had a 126 OPS plus. Polo just needs to be himself as well. Just be himself, you know, hit to his career line. If all these guys just played to to their career lines for the last six weeks, I promise you the offense will be so much better and the twins will be in such a better spot. They'll be in, in such a a more favorable spot in this division. If these guys had just hit hit like they had for the last three weeks hit like they had in their entire careers these last three weeks and for Kepler, you know, over a month, things would look different. Things would look different for the twins. Now the, the starting pitching broke down in July and the, the pitching overall was poor and that's why they were losing those games. But now it's, it's strictly been the offense. The pitching is holding up their end of the bargain. I thought they pitched, you know, I would give their pitching staff a grade of a B in Houston. I thought they pitched well. I would give the offense a D and that's even adjusting for Verlander, Valdez and Garcia. I know these guys are good. Justin Verlander, you almost get a pass with Verlander. I know Valdez is super good. Garcia today though, Garcia, they got to him, they hit him hard, but that felt like a guy they needed to to get to a little bit more. You know, they, that felt like an opportunity there Thursday to get out to a bigger lead, to take control of that game offensively. Like I'm saying, like they that's how they are built to win, to take control of games offensively. And they they have not done that for a long time now. Got to turn it around. They got six games. It's a homestand. So here's what we got moving forward for the Twins. From now until the end of August, they have San Francisco 
and Boston. Next six games, all at home, three against San Fran, three against Boston. Here's the good news. They will not see Carlos Rodon this weekend or Logan Webb. That's great news. They're going to see Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, who's good. Alex Cobb is good. Wood is solid, 454 ERA, you know, lefty, a guy they should hit. Alex Cobb is pretty good. But even him this year, the Giants have been really, really disappointing, especially after what they did last year. Alex Cobb, coming into this game on Saturday, has a 399 ERA. He's solid, not great, and it's Sunny Gray on Saturday. So your best starter is going in that game. And then Sunday is Jacob Junis, who used to pitch for Kansas City. He's pitched pretty well for San Francisco, but still Jacob Junis. And he's got a 358 ERA this year for the Giants. That's Aaron Sanchez on Sunday. Worst pitcher they'll see is probably Junis, although he has pitched well this year. Still think, you know, again, it's Jacob Junis. Best pitcher they'll see is Alex Cobb Saturday, but they get to rival Cobb with Sonny Gray on Saturday. So you feel hopeful about that matchup. And then Friday night is Alex Wood against Joe Ryan, and that one uh, maybe a little bit more even. Got to win game one. Have to take both of these series. Have to take both of these series at home. There's no, there's no more. Oh, that was okay. That's okay. Oh, that one got, Oh, it's just one of one. Oh, that's okay. That one got away from the twins again. They blew that game. Oh, the offense didn't show up. That happens. No, 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 no more of that. If, if they're wanting to make the playoffs, if they're wanting to come back in the central, which is still possible, they have eight games left against Cleveland. They're four games back in the division and they got nine left against Chicago. It's still possible. You know, they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they have to do it now. It has to start now. They have to win these both of these series at home, and then they go to Chicago to play the White Sox, and I would say they got to win three series in a row here to just get back into the conversation. It's crunch time. Rocco Baldelli said yesterday there was a team meeting. He said, let's just go have fun. Let's go have fun. To me, that's a little scary. That's almost like that's the last resort. That's the last thing you say is, okay, Let's just go have fun. Let's go have fun at the ballpark. (laughs) Let's have fun and go play ball, which I think is a good, I think that's a good message to just take the pressure off a little bit, but man, it's been tough and it's not going to get much easier. San Fran's not great. You know, Boston's not great, but then it gets, then all these games are, are doubly as important now. They're all important. They all feel like the season at this point, they need to get it done, win these series at home get some good starts and just wake up offensively. Just be who you are. Like these are veteran hitters. Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco have played hundreds of games for the twins. Carlos Correa has played hundreds of games at an all-star level in his career. Be who you are. Be who you are. Luis Arise has now played four seasons of great baseball. Be who you are down the stretch. That might be what his message is. Baldelli. Like just be yourself, have fun, play baseball. You're capable of so many great things and just go, go do it. Hopefully they do. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Now make your second listen. The Lockdown MLB Podcast, MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective. So he's the best on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Go Twins.